Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning into the BPD Bravery Podcast. Our guest today is Dr. Blaise Aguirre, the founding medical director of the Three East Continuum of Care at McLean's Hospital. He is internationally recognized for his work in treatment of mood and personality disorders in adolescents. Dr. Aguirre is also author and co-author of many books, some of which you might have read, including Mindfulness for Borderline Personality Disorder, Coping with BPD, and Fighting Back. Thank you so much for being here today, Dr. Aguirre. Hi, and welcome to the BPD Bravery Show, where we discuss tips, strategies, struggles, triumphs, and success stories related to borderline personality disorder. Here is your host, Faye Green. Is there a tiny accent there? Yes, yes. Oh, gosh. So I grew up, uh, you're in... Where are you? I don't know if you... I'm in Boston. Have you ever met the Hasidic people? Yeah. Oh, my God. My my. In medical school... No, no. This was the most incredible thing. In medical school, I couldn't find... Like, I wanted... Uh, I never wanted to work on, on Saturdays. So I couldn't find a partner in medical school. So I, I met this Hasidic guy, and who also became a psychiatrist. And he said, I'll work on Sundays, and you work on Saturdays. And we became incredibly good friends. He's actually now a psychiatrist in Israel. And um, I, I used to get in the car because I didn't understand the whole thing. So I used to get in the car on Saturday and say, hey, listen, do you want me to take me to Temple? Uh, take you to Temple? I said, no, I can't get in the car. Get away, you know, and stuff like that. <laughs> and then I said, why do you have yo-yo strings hanging out of your pants? <laughs> Oh, that is good. He, tell, he that still is tells good. these stories, like you know, I mean, I'm in, I'm like, I'm teaching. I was teaching in Jerusalem, and like in front of like a big group of uh, uh, Orthodox uh, psychiatrists, and he's telling he's telling them stories about me asking him about the yo-yo strings, and uh, anyway, we're, we're like really close, so it's really funny. <laughs> so, are you Israeli? No, no, I I grew up in New York, oh, okay. but. Um, um, the people there, I mean, where I grew up, we didn't speak English at all. Yeah, yeah. It was only Yiddish. Um, yeah. So uh, I, you know, I, I don't know if you've pro- you've seen how the women dress. I got 100%. out of that. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I, I, I ran away when I was 19. Yeah. And I've actually, I ran to Israel. Um, I was there yeah. for, I didn't know where to run to. And my yeah. father's Israeli. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mother wouldn't allow us to get to know his family because mm-hmm. she's anti-Israel. Don't mm-hmm. ask me how the marriage works mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. doesn't work. So mm-hmm. I ran mm-hmm. to Israel. So I did live in Israel mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. almost a year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I um, during the pandemic, I binge watched every single um, Israeli Orthodox Netflix uh, show. Um, they were so unbelievably good, like unorthodox. Um, what was the other one? Uh, Stizzle, uh, yeah. um, and then and then and then the other one, the the Baker and the Beauty. But that one wasn't so much about the Orthodox or not. But it, it was just I, I, you know, I thought that they were they had really fantastic, um, uh, um, you know, shows about the inner workings of the Orthodox. But it was, uh, and then even within Orthodoxy, like the Hasidim and then the Ultra Hasidim. Yeah. I was actually. Um, uh, um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see if you can recognize who this is. Um, uh, one second. That is, that looks like some rabbi. 
Yeah, um, it's that, Abraham. I've uh, seen Tversky. him in pictures. Tversky. <gasps> oh. So, um, oh wow. So we. So actually, I. Uh, he was in, in Brookline, Massachusetts, and he said, hey, you know, we had such a great time in Jerusalem. Why don't you come by for Shabbos uh, on uh, on uh, Friday? You know, and I said, you know, what is that? You know, I, I grew up Catholic. So he said, you know, it's, 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 I mean, I've been to other, but this was like over the top Shabbos, you know. And so, yeah. and all I remember is, you know, because I always think like, okay, why don't people drive and everything? I thought like they drank so much that um, uh, like really incredible whiskey that I thought no wonder people don't, don't drive after this. <laughs> I had to get like call an Uber because I was just like, oh my god. So yeah. Wow. Anyway. So y you've had some adventures. I mean, or, if you met those people, then yeah. <laughs> then you've been you've been around. Wow. So yeah, that's where my accent is from because. Okay. Um, we didn't speak English. And then when I came back from Israel, that's when I started learning. Because you're basically yeah. thrown into a world that, you know, you don't, yeah. I didn't, we, there was no TV, no internet, no secular education. And so that's when I started learning English. So my English mm -hmm. is not. No, it's, it's fine. I just, <laughs> actually, yeah, no, I thought it was European somewhere, you know, so uh, I thought just a tiny, tiny twinge, not much, <laughs> not much. I mean, you sounded like, uh, you sounded American with, like, I thought maybe it was, like an accent of another state or um but um, anyway yeah <laughs> so. no it's an accent of a whole other yeah. people <laughs> yeah exactly well it, but it takes i mean what courage chutzpah i don't know something <laughs> to to leave uh to leave a world that is so insistent on yeah. On, on the way of life, you know, so, um, but here you are. Yeah. People ask me sometimes, uh, are you, do you regret it? Right. Cause yeah. you left everything behind your family, your community. And at times I was homeless. Um, yeah. and I said, no, no, yeah. I would not have it the other way because what basically kind of broke the camel's back was they tried forcing me into arranged marriage and I, I, yeah. I couldn't go through with it. And mm -hmm. not only that, but mm -hmm. well, I knew that if, you know, if I were to go through with it, I will probably want a divorce. I want out. And my parents, uh, when they make weddings, Oh, it's like $50,000 a wedding. I'm the oldest of 12. My parents have no money. And wow. I thought I can't put my father through this. And even worse is I can't put like the man I'm marrying through this just to get divorced the next day, you know, 100%. after. Yeah. And so I had no choice but to run. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, that, there's that. And then I actually met, um, we treated a, 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 many years ago an Orthodox uh, woman. Um, and, you know, privately she told me, you know, like, I'm gay. You know, I, oh. um, you know, like the idea of being with a man disgusted me, actually. And um, but she said, how can I live in my culture and, 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 and be gay when my parents were trying to arrange a marriage? You know, so um, I also I was teaching in Saudi Arabia and the same thing happened. Um, I actually had a, a woman after I gave a six hour lecture on BPD and DBT. Um, she came up to me and, you know, she was in the full burqa and she said, can we just step away? There's some microphones and cameras. And she said, you know, um, I'm a lesbian Muslim 
woman, you know, and it, and she said, like, if anybody finds out, it, it'll, it'll, you know, destroy me. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's sad when, you know, it, and most of the orthodoxies do that, you know, they're very judgmental about those kinds of, you know, things. They don't recognize suffering. The suffering has to be the way that they suffer, not the way that other people suffer, you know, which is tough. Right. So. Sure. Now your mm -hmm. main focus is on uh, teenagers, correct? Yeah. Yeah. But what happened, uh, you know, that um, I remember when I first met people with BPD and, um, you know, and then people like I, I worked with people like John Gunderson, you know, sort of the considered the father of BPD in terms of, uh, you know, diagnosing it in the either late 70s, early 80s. And he said, you know, you have to be an adult. And, you know, I think children, I mean, if you think you've got, you got 12, there's 12 kids in your family, they all have different personalities. You know, I mean, I bet you they're not like Stepford children, all robotic, you know, exactly the same. Animals have personalities, like dogs are different, like it, it, people have personalities. And so like the idea that, um, that you know, you had to wait to be a, an adult to have BPD just didn't make that much sense to me because a lot of every single person that I spoke to with adult, adult BPD said, oh, my symptoms started when I was an adolescent. And um, so then I thought like, okay, what are you going to do? Like, wait until they're 18 and they say, Mazel Tov, you know, you, you now have BPD, <laughs> you know, it's like yesterday you didn't, yesterday you were just like a cranky child, you know, <laughs> so like, what the hell? And I thought, you know, like, why, let's start. And then, you know, like these kids were being over-medicated, a lot of them, you know, so, so um, uh, for me, the idea of like helping kids as early as, as we can um, made all the sense to me. And is that primarily DBT or is it? You know, yeah, so I didn't start off with DBT. I was much more like, you know, I was trained in a, in a Freudian system, you know, um, mm -hmm. and um, and it was interesting when I learned a, a kind of a Buddhist approach, which is, you know, the DBT approach with mindfulness. You know, if you say, okay, it's all because of my mother. So you say, okay, but what caused your mother? Well, her parents. Well, what caused her parents? Well, their parents and their circumstances in Eastern Europe. Okay, well, what caused that? Well, anger and rage. What caused that? You know, so like if you keep going back to what caused anything, then you blame the Big Bang or God or something for everything, you know, because like everything is caused. It's not like your mother wakes up one morning and says, I'm going to screw you up as a child. She was also suffering and also a victim of her circumstance. Now, she may not have been aware of it, but she was also a victim. But then what she did or, or or what your parents did or what society does you know has consequences on 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 people and so so to me the idea of like okay this is your life as it is right now what are you going to do about it made much more sense than saying oh it's because my mom yelled at me when i was a kid because you can't do anything about that but you can do something with your life right now you can decide i'm not staying in this community i'm leaving that's painful decision but yet you can also do that and you can also say i'm not going back you know so uh, so there's courage in that and i just think like that's almost what you did was dbt in action it was like recognizing whatever circumstance you were in and saying i'm not doing this anymore you know um now easier said than done uh, oh, yeah. because you know but but nevertheless it's it's sort of like okay these are my circumstances right now um holding on to things that have happened uh causes me to suffer often. And so, um, and I also think, you know, I mean, 
to, to me, when people have cancer or something like that, and you can see the suffering that they go through, then you can have compassion for them. But if you say to yourself, if someone is suffering so much emotionally, that the solution is death, suicide, or to cut yourself, I mean, how much suffering must that be? Like, go up to 90% of people and say, hey, would you cut yourself? They'll say, no. What are you talking about? But if you're suffering so much, I thought, okay, how can we not have compassion for people who are suffering mentally as well? Um, so, yeah. And then, you know, the other thing is, is that I actually find, uh, you know, people who want to live don't often think about why they want to live, but people who want to die often think about why they want to live. So I'm saying they're much more introspective, you know, like they examine their lives more. And I just find a lot of people who struggle, um, fascinating people, like who've got a lot to share with the world. If only the world would slow down and listen a little bit. So, um, you know. Um, my job is interesting every day. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine so, but it's it's probably stressful a lot, you know. I practice a lot of meditation. So the things that make me stressed out are not my patients as much. Um, really? It's, 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 it's the latest policy on distancing and hand washing. You know, it's like, ah. it's, it's like, it's sort of like, the stuff of administration like that, that 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 gets to me not not the patient work yeah it can be hard but it doesn't it doesn't i have no despair there i have hope you know that things can change so weird question yeah what kind of meditation do you practice you know uh, <laughs> so deep well let me t tell you because it's a complicated answer i went to a retreat with marsha linehan the, the developer of dbt um, okay. um, I, I've, I've got another <laughs> picture. Of, let me see. Of, of, uh, let me see me and Marsha. Um, <gasps> oh, that is cool. Yeah. Let me see here. Uh, well, we, we, we actually ended up becoming very good friends um, uh, over time. Let me just see. Um, this is a very funny one um, of, of me and Marsha when we were... Um, I can send you some of these pictures. What happened, what happened is she was she was she was going pontificating on and on about something. I said, Marsha, that's not true. Because she stayed at my house. I said, she and 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 I said, wow. uh, um, and I said, you da da da. And then she comes over and she puts her hand over my mouth. So it was um so um I had wanted to learn about DBT and um and meditation. Um and uh so I went to, I thought that she was going to be teaching meditation. I went to a place called Desert Renewal in uh, uh, Tucson, Arizona. And, uh, and we did five days of silent meditation, which was sitting, literally staring at a wall 16 hours a day um, oh, and no. uh, without talking, uh, you know, break, bro broken up with like episodes of walking and stuff. But I, I, uh, I had misunderstood. You see, I used to be very, very scattered. I'm very scattered, but more mindfully scattered now. And um, But in, I thought it was a, a conference on meditation. <laughs> I didn't realize you were actually going to do it. So it was the, I was thrown into the deep end. Um, but I found it so healing. Like once I, once I did that amount of time of just like... I mean, if you think about this moment right now, right, right this very moment, not two hours from now, not three hours ago, right this moment. Not so bad. You're right. Okay. It's not Correct. the worst moment you've ever had. 
Now, if you start thinking about the worst moment you've ever had, well, then you're pulling yourself out of the present moment. Like most moments aren't that bad, you know, like they just in that moment. Yes. But if I start thinking, oh, this person said this, this person said that, that's what this person thinks about me. And I get caught up in something that isn't of this moment, then it becomes a lot worse. But in this moment, you know, I'm having fun talking to Faye Green. In oh, I'm having, a, I'm loving this. <laughs> so, uh, so let's go into, um, you know, things about yeah. BPD and um, mm -hmm. the self-loathing part, right, yeah. that you mentioned, mm -hmm. um, which is not uh, one of the nine um, diagnostic criteria, yeah. but it's a very significant part of people with BPD. A lot of us have it. Yeah. My question is why? Why yeah. do we have it? And how do mm -hmm. we get? of it yeah yeah yes it's such a it's such a profound question um and actually i i want i'm going to do some research because i think that the self-loathing that people with bpd have is very different people say oh i hate myself but then say somebody with bpd says i hate myself that's like or, or or somebody who doesn't have bpd they lose their keys and say oh, i hate myself like just a statement but 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 a lot of people with bpd hate themselves in a way that seems like truth. Like, I'm a woman. I'm a person that is, like, deserves hate or is, is like, cannot stand myself. So, but if, you know, so, so just a couple of things. I mean, even just how we use language. You know, what is the self that you're hating? Is it your hands? You say, well, no, I, I don't mind my hands. Or what about my shoulders? Yeah, they're okay, you know. So, okay, like if we start reducing, let's take away all the stuff that you don't hate. <laughs> you say, ah, oh, my legs are okay, you know. Like it's actually just experiences. All the stuff that's happening that you're hating is actually often in your head. Now, you might say, yes, I wish my lips were bigger or something external to you. I wish, you know, something like that. Um, yeah, and, and and maybe there are some things that, that you, you know, that you cannot change. But there's, you know, but the, but the self is a very big thing. And actually, the self is made up a lot of stuff that isn't the self. Calcium is not the self, yet you need calcium to be part of the self. Um, there are more bacterial cells in, in the human body than there are human cells. Now, you know, if you start hating them, you're not alive anymore. So, so, so it's often just like, it's... It's often interpretations, it's experiences that you hate. And that, and like if you could get rid of them of those, then um, uh, then uh, then there would be less of a self-hatred. Now, but but you get back to this question, so how does it develop? How, you know, and um, okay, if you think about early childhood experiences where you don't feel part of something, um, when did you start to not feel part of something? of like the bigger family picture oh myself yeah um uh around six seven years old six seven years old okay and when you questioned it or when you didn't feel part of it what was the system's response to uh to you oh i was bad yeah and um, and uh, when we think about bad people, we don't tend to like bad people. They're unlikable. 
So what conclusion could you come up with other than you were a bad person? I mean, the world's telling you you're bad. You have to come up with that conclusion because you turn around, you look at things and say, hey, I have a question about living in this world, about doing these things, about feeling these ways. Well, you get punished for that or don't feel that way or go read the Bible or something. But, it, it, you know, that what I'm saying is, is that for a child to come up with a conclusion, I therefore must be bad. Or maybe the system tells you that you're bad. And one of the things we know about the way the brain works is the more we get told something, the more we believe it. You know, people believe that the earth was flat forever or that the earth was center of the universe. And like you get told something over and over and over and over again. And eventually it must be true. You know, that's what happens in politics these days. Like we get told these things over and over. And so, but, but here's the thing is that a child cannot be born bad. It has to learn to hate itself. But if you can learn to hate yourself, you can learn to love yourself. You cannot, you know, you're not a hateful being coming out of the womb. It's something you have to learn. But if you can learn, you can unlearn. And, um, and, and it takes a long time. I mean, people are skeptical. But I'm just saying is that the, the ongoing practice of saying, I deserve hatred. I hate myself. Um, it becomes automatic. But I mean, you know, I mean, I'm assuming that you hope to reach other people with podcasts like this. Correct. And, and for what purpose? To help them. Why would a bad person do that? You know, and so, um, uh, um, and so there, 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 you know, even if there is some bad, there's also a lot of good. And let that good grow. And let you, you know, see the, it. Go. Yeah. The idea of like, you don't truly know me or I don't even truly know me. <laughs> Yeah, there really is bad there. If I only I know, but that's okay. That's okay. Like oh, I've got bad. I've got bad. like I said. I'm just saying, you know. And I have. I mean, one, one patient in New York who tells me you have no bad. I said that's just not true. So I have bad. Like we have, but but we also have good. And you say, and I get, I hear that so often. If you really knew how bad I am, if you really knew, I said okay. Like what? Like you destroyed relationships. Like you, you know, made suicide. Like what? What? Like what's What's bad that you have suffered? Can we can we change that to just say I have suffered, rather than than, than I'm bad? Because it's not like you wake up in the morning and you say, hmm, like Bernie Madoff, how am I going to steal people's money? That to me is selfish. That to me is greed. That to me is bad. I can I have to find more money, like take more money, take more stuff. You don't wake up in the morning saying, okay, like what relationship am I going to destroy today? But the thing about it is, is that, but then if something bad happens, then you say the conclusion must be because I'm bad, not because, because I'm so emotionally sensitive and attuned that, that I'm passionate about things. And maybe it's a bit too much for people sometimes, but that doesn't make me a bad person, you know, and even if you have really dark thoughts, I mean, we wouldn't have the world's greatest literature if people didn't have uh, dark thoughts. Stephen King. Shakespeare, you have to have those dark thoughts to put them down on paper. Okay, so you have dark thoughts. You know, uh, it's part of everything. You can't get rid of like let's just get rid of everything that's bad about you. What's left? Not much for some of us. But in, but then let's also keep what's good. Let's make let's say that all of these forces, without judging them, have shaped us into the present person that we are today. 
and we can and, and that we can accept it that we can love it like like if i hadn't made stupid mistakes as many as i have then i wouldn't be here you know like here i am because of everything i have ever done the good and the bad so you think the self-loathing is more um nurture versus nature it's the environment that you grew up in rather than your personality that okay so well look i think that i don't know too many people who are not sensitive who hate themselves so i think that first mm -hmm. of all that temperament is is uh, uh there's a lot of biology and temperament you have to be temperamentally emotional um And so you feel things, but you know, like, let's just say you have a friend and your friend calls and says, Oh, my boyfriend broke up with me. And then, and then you say, Oh, that sucks. And then she says, yeah, it's okay. I'm going to meet someone else or whatever. And you think, what? Like if something happened like that to me, like I'd be upset and crying and all that, you know, forever. And it's like the end of the world and everything. So, but then you think, Oh, she's good. I'm bad because I have that response, but that's just your temperament and your biology. What I'm saying is, is if a biologically sensitive child over time keeps hearing that they're doing things wrong, that they're thinking wrongly about things, that they shouldn't be doing certain things, that they're bad kids, uh, if you lay that message from the environment onto a, 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 a temperamentally sensitive kid, what other conclusion can they come up with? I mean, if the, if, you know, one thing is if you have your enemy telling you that you're bad, that's one thing. But when the people closest to you, and, and again, not, not that they're, you know, like their intention isn't to raise a, a kid with pathology, but like they don't know better. You know, this is where you have to have compassion for the people who hurt you, who are close to you, because it's like they don't know better either. But when, when your enemy hates you, okay, that's one thing. But when your family and when your friends like find you, off-putting, bad, or whatever it is, I don't know how a child cannot come up with that conclusion if they're sensitive. So that's how I think about it. Yeah, I, I'm talking about like, uh, you know, understand my like. I don't know how to express it, but I was I I was upset at my parents for doing certain things. You know, for a while I. At one point, oh, there was a reason why I couldn't talk to them. But for five years, I just, my mother, every time I tried talking to her, she started yelling at me for yeah. how I am. And I had to, you know, cut cut her out of my life for yeah. a couple of years. Um, and I, I, I hated her for, you know, being so religious and putting all those strict rules on me and the way, you know, my father never being around and my mother also not being much around and all of that. Um, and I'm not, I have no idea how this came about. And I realized they're that way because of their environment, you know, and they didn't know better. They thought, and so I it took me a while, but it's except this is who they are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they are that way because of their environment and they try to do their best and their best was not the best for me. <laughs> Absolutely exactly, not. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what, what's the best horse, uh, uh, a race horse or a plow horse? It depends. If you're on a farm, you want a plow horse. If you're at the at the horse race, you want a race horse. And and the thing is, is so so like the best that they did might have been the best for your siblings, but it wasn't the best for you. And you know, I think that the other part. I mean, look, it, it, to me, it, 
it sounds like you did a very courageous thing to to be able to sit, to recognize how toxic that was for you and to be able to leave it to have compassion for people who who didn't know any better is is uh, to be able to say you know I'm not going back into that system and you were also the product but of of your circumstances but that also comes with a loss and that is you know that most people want to be able to have a relationship that is close with their with their parents and 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 the sadness like i mean even just thinking about that because one thing is to suffer the way that you did but now you suffer differently because in many ways you know maybe you see your friends and they're going to have dinner with their parents or whatever and like to be able to do something like that it's very lonely you know it can be very very lonely and um and that's tremendous sadness and to be able to accept that sadness and be able to move on is a sign of tremendous healing and courage. Um, yeah. So do you have a tip for people who do have a tendency to self-loathe and to hate mm. themselves? Um, I personally, and I don't know if this is mm. part of the self-loathing of BPD, but I, I can't look myself in the mirror. <laughs> and again, mm. I, I have no idea mm. if this is tied mm. in with this or if this is tied yeah. in with, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just believe that I'm ugly and I just can't. Every time I look in the mirror, I'm like, it, it really hurts my mm -hmm. self-esteem. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure. So do you have any advice for people on how to deal with the sales? With, mm -hmm. with well, you know, it, it, well, I, look, this is very, very tricky because a lot of, I mean, what you're describing, a lot of other people say, you know, sort of some, something similar. But let me ask you this question. Um, when people meet you, do they mostly like you or not? Well, they say that they do, but what if they're not? <laughs> <laughs> what is they're not honest? Okay, so, so this is this is this is a cognitive this this is a classic cognitive distortion. Okay, let me just say this. Okay, we'll do this story experiment. <laughs> Faye, I really yeah. hate you. Okay, why? What did I do? Wait a second. I, oh, no. Okay, now okay, but here here okay, Faye, I really like you. In the one situation, it can't be true that I like you. In the other situation. It's like, wait, well, what have I done? Like, we've just met for 20 minutes. Like, wait, how can I, you know? So right. the thing about it is, is you're not using the same measure to make uh -huh. the determination. And so, 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 so what if you were just to, just to accept, just to accept that maybe, it, you know, like, okay, l look at this, look at this. How many podcasts have you done? Would you say? Uh, recorded five. Yeah. And, and, and they're and, not they're not out yet. We're launching mm -hmm. in between the first and the tenth of October. So, okay. Do people feel that you are capable of engaging with them, generally speaking? Well, they tell me that, but uh, what I, if... I, I, I'm just saying, if I, was an, if I was an external observer and watching you engage with people, would would I could I reasonably come to the conclusion that you um, engage with people readily? I truly hope so. Okay. No, no, but I mean, if I'm watching you and you're engaging with people, like, would I say, yeah, she seems to be able to get along with people? I think so. Okay. Now, what about uh, dunking a basketball? Me doing you, that? Yeah. I'm not good at it. It could. Not good at that. Okay. No. Uh, what about, um, what about sewing? Oh, geez. I can't. Thread okay. the needle now. Okay. What about <laughs> what about drawing? Even stick figures are hard for me. Okay. 
can we agree that you're terrible at sewing, at drawing, and at dunking at basketball? Yeah. Me too. Can you, but there must be something that you're okay at. Like what I'm saying is when people say to me like, hey, you're a great therapist. Then I say, I used to, oh no, maybe not, maybe uh, whatever. Like just accept that. You know, yeah. just, ex just accept that that is just wonderful. Like the rest of you can be terrible, who cares? But, but the thing is, is, you know, um, you, you, you know, you, you look at yourself and, you know, it's, uh, there's a, there's a, there's a, if you get a chance, you should watch the, uh, this little clip in Notting Hill, um, with Hugh, uh, Grant and Julia Roberts, where, um, they're deciding who gets the last brownie, um, you know, um, <clears throat> that, uh, and and so if you get a chance, you can do this later, and you can see who, mm -hmm. how they determine who gets the last brownie. I, I love that film in any case, but um, that when people remember you, uh, emotional people remember experience and energy. They're not gonna. They're gonna say, "Wow, I just remember meeting this person, full of energy, full of compassion." That's the thing that gets stuck in the memory. Now, I, uh, I mean, maybe when a kid is like 13, 14, like somebody says, oh, that person was so beautiful. Like how long, you know, like, okay, so do you say, right, this is the beautiful person. I take them to dinner and now beautiful person, be beautiful with everybody, but they can't talk. They don't have anything. But then, you know, you have someone who can engage, who can just, and then you see the beauty radiate out of that. You know, and, and then, yeah, no, I mean, you know, people like to say, OK, I, I could be a little bit more symmetrical and everything. But even if you could, even if you could do 100 percent that, if you look at the most beautiful people on the planet. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, where are they now? Everything's changing. Life is impermanent. So the things that you can control, you know, you can say you can get plastic surgery, but the things that you can control is who you be. Who you are and that and that that's what people remember by by and large and yes if you're you know maybe exceptionally you know exquisite but let me just tell you having met some very pretty stunning people they suffer because they don't know who uh why people like them um here's another see if you can recognize who this one is now i feel very stupid no, no. Okay, that one might not be. Because <laughs> I like, I have no idea. Let me see if I can find a different one. Uh, one second. Wait, you met with her? I, I sat you on her board. You met with Oprah? I sat on her board for a few years. You and, 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 Oprah's board. So, 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 okay, so here's the question. Why do people like her? So is it because she's got money? Is it because you're beautiful? What is it, you know? And um, uh, so, so, uh, uh, so, my point is, is that, like, you know, like if if you, if you begin to love the things that people love about you, even if they don't see the darkness, so what? Like, okay, do I need to go into the bathroom with you every time you need to poop and pee? Like, no. Like there's some dark, some stuff that you just don't want to like necessarily put out there because it's just like part of whatever it is. But what I'm saying is don't erode the part that is great because there's parts that are dark. Oh, I love that. That's strong. 
That's strong. Yeah. Don't even know the parts that are great. Although the bathroom part, I don't know if my dog would agree with you, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the dog can see the dark, the dark side, you know. Yeah. I don't know what it is. He thinks he has to come with me, and I'm like, I, I got this. I got this. <laughs> wow. So you are on Oprah's um, board. At, 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 her, at her school in South Africa. <gasps> yeah, You've for three been around years. the world. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. And yeah. um, oh, it was a pleasure talking to you. It no, really likewise. was. Likewise. Thank you so much for joining us on today's BPD Bravery Show. If you've enjoyed it, then like, share, and subscribe if you haven't already. Make sure to tune into our show every Monday and Friday. And remember, you are so much more than your BPD.